Welcome to the Conversations with Christians Engage podcast, where we go in-depth but practical ways for you to pray, vote, and engage. Today we are joined by Corey Russell. Corey is a staff pastor at Upper Room Church Dallas, an author, and a speaker, and he will be discussing his book, Teach Us to Pray. Corey's book is our selection for January for our upcoming Christians Engage book club. Listen to this interview and then check out our website, christiansengage.org forward slash events for more information on the book club and how to register. Hey everybody, it's Bunny Pounds here with another conversation with Christians Engaged. Okay, it's right before the first of the year and this is probably my favorite interview I've done all year because we are launching a book club. Yes, a Christians Engaged book club that we are going to pray. We are going to interact together every month and we're going to read another book. And all these books, you can see the whole overview I did on the podcast of our new book club, but we're going to read inspiring biographies, political, spiritual biographies, people that have changed the world. We're going to read political philosophy books. We're going to also read Christian books that are written to the church as it pertains to prayer, spiritual growth, discipleship, evangelism, or politics. So we're super excited to have this book club. The first three books are up online on our website. So grab those. And I'm super excited to have my friend Corey Russell and his book, Teach Us to Pray, is our first selection of the year. This book just came out. Let me tell you a little bit about my friend Corey Russell. So I got addicted to Corey Russell's books about seven or eight years ago. He's written five books and he's got five prayer CDs, which you have to check out as well. So I became a Twitter stalker of Corey. Like I'm quoting him. I'm like totally into his books, right? And I went all the way to Kansas City because he was at the International House of Prayer for 18 years, folks, praying for 18 years at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. I went all the way there with my husband, for a conference because I wanted to meet this guy that had changed my life with his book and he wasn't there. So I said on Twitter, Corey, you're going to have to make this up to me and come to Dallas. And a year later, we got him down here for a conference called Set a Fire DFW. For two years, we did that. And now he's at the upper room in Dallas and we get to pray together in the prayer room. Is that not the coolest thing ever? So we're going to break open teach us to pray. Hopefully you will order this before the beginning of January, read it. And then the last Friday of January, register online at christiansengage.org slash events. And we're going to have a zoom meeting and we're all going to talk about the book together. And Tracy Bradford will be with us. So Corey, that was the longest introduction ever. Welcome my friend. Hey, thank you, Bonnie. I love you, respect you. And so grateful for your voice in the church and in the political realm right now. And I didn't know that story, actually. I didn't know that I, I, I missed you in Kansas City. Oh, man, you don't remember. Well, anyway, it was, I was thinking this guy is like responding to me on Twitter. Like, he, I could be a fruitcake. You had no idea. You were just like responding. Sure, Bunny, I'll come to Dallas. Send me an invitation. <laughs> I love it. Those were special times together. Oh, so, now you're in Dallas, okay? And 
one thing I love about your life, Corey, is that you just inspire me. You, I know you do this for everybody around that has read your books or knows about your life, but you've showed us in a practical way how to be consistent in prayer. Um, I've heard you say over and over again, your main calling is an intercessor. Of course, you preach all over America and all over the world, and you're an author and you do all these great things, but you identify your number one um, calling as an intercessor. So talk to us a little bit about why you pray and also, you know, your journey in prayer, just a little bit. How did you get going in prayer? Yeah, I I think it started for me right when I got saved. I got radically saved in 1997 uh, out of a dark life. I'd gone deep into this world and had a radical salvation. We saw a move of God in our hometown in Northwest Arkansas for the first six months of my salvation. I mean, we saw, I was out of high school, but I'd led my brother to the, to the Lord who was still in high school. And we saw the first six months, we saw half the high school come to Jesus. We saw five meetings a week till three in the morning and God just invaded our small town. And I, I really began to connect the dots in that early season that what I was experiencing was the result of the years and the decades of prayer and intercession that preceded what we were experiencing. So I knew I was reaping the fruit of someone else's labor. And wow. so that, that just connected with me. And I specifically, there were these women in the church that, man, when they opened their mouth, you felt God, you knew they knew God. And I'm like, man, I want to be around these, these women, man. A couple of 50-year-old ladies, one 80-year-old woman. And they just were, you know, they were just passionate for God. And so I really just began to gravitate towards spending time in prayer with them. And it was in that formative years to where they taught me about early morning prayer and late night prayer and praying the Bible and uh, what to do when you have a burden on your heart and how to pray that through and praying with people. And I learned so many things in that formative season and I just couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to be in the presence of God all the time. And that's what then began to lead to the next stage of us moving to Kansas City to join the House of Prayers because I want to do this with my life is be in the place of prayer, get deep in the word and ask God to send a great awakening to our nation and to the earth. That's so good. When I was in Romania, I was on a trip over there to the Christ for the nations in Romania. And I say, I found myself again in a Romanian prayer room because I was awakened again after being in politics for about 10 years, you know, your heart starts getting hard you start seeing all these needs and you see members of Congress don't even know how to solve all the problems, right? Nobody knows how to solve these things. And I found my heart again in a prayer room in Romania and then found one of your books. And I'll, I'll, I'm forever thankful for it because it, what it did is it put language to the things that I was feeling in my heart and what God was doing, bringing me back to that place of prayer. So again, guys, it's teach us to pray. So Corey, why did you, you've got several books on prayer, but Specifically, what was the vision for this one? And why do you think it's important for America right now? Yeah, I, it, was, it was 2017. And I've always, you know, Luke 11 is the main passage where the disciples, and we'll, we'll get into this here in a little bit, hopefully, but Luke 11, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, all right? And they had been in every revival service. They heard every message, witnessed every miracle, saw it all. And we don't see one recorded time where they said, teach us to preach, prophesy, heal, deliver, do anything. They go, we want your prayer life. And so that's always been astounding to me. 
And it's begun to reassess myself as a leader saying, do people want my prayer life or my preaching gift? Wow. Such people a good point. want my prayer life or my networking skills or my wisdom or my strategies or my building or my planting. And all those things are amazing. But is the number one thing that I'm marking people with my prayer life? And I've prayed that for years. And in 2017, I'll never forget it. The Lord said, Corey, you've walked with me for the last 20 years in this asking me, I want you to now join me in taking the things you've learned in prayer. And I want you to teach the next generation how to pray. I want you to take a generation by the hand, connect them to me and teach them how to walk through the open door into a life of prayer. And so that's what began to reshift the way I was preaching and writing. And I'm like, God, I want to meet people right where they're at and bring them into a deeper place in prayer. And so that began in 2017. And that's what finally gave fruit to this. I mean, gave birth to this book was, was that mindset. Well, we focus so much on the Lord's prayer, but we don't really focus on the context of it. And I thought what you did there was bring it all in perspective. Here, the disciples are asking Jesus, teach us to pray. And he says, when you pray, do yes. this, right? Yes. Those of us um, in Christians Engage know that thousands of people have taken our pledge to pray, vote, and engage around the state of Texas this year. And every Monday at 5.55, if you took the pledge to pray for America, you get a text with a five-minute scripture and a, a prayer point to pray for your city, state, nation. And Corey, we prayed for mayors. We prayed for troops going into Syria. We prayed for our county judges. We prayed for the president. We prayed for everything this year. But why is it so important what Jesus said there? He said, when you pray... Yes. Give us some, some more depth of that. Like why is it important to pick a time to pray? <laughs> That's what he's saying is that I want to tell you to people who schedule prayer, they pray more. I hear so many people say, you know, I'm just going to pray when I feel led like it. If I prayed when I only felt like it, I'd probably do it about once a month. We're in trouble. Twice a month. That's why I'm so grateful for you guys doing this. A 555, a five minute prayer. This is how you engage. And I, Jesus is hitting the point that prayer happens in real time, in real space. It's not on accident. It's not on the fly. It's intentional. It's deliberate. It's focused. You prioritize it and you give credence to it. And that's what the Lord honors because the Lord shows up in the place we build him. And it shows the, the, the value and the dignity he gives us in building a time and a place for him. Prayer does not happen on accident when you pray. And it's solid. And, and that's why I like to tell people, you need to find your power time. You need to find your most uh, undistracted uh, moments of your day and make that sacred. I think it was John Wesley, the old famous preacher that would tell everybody around 830 every night, I have a very important meeting at 430 tomorrow morning. I cannot miss it for the world. I can't miss it. No. And, miss it. and that if we treat it like meeting with the president of the universe at 430, I think we'll think differently about how we see prayer. And you and I, we see each other in the prayer room sometimes. It's been a weird year, but uh, I've been coming back more at 6 a.m. Um, so talk to people about, you know, why do you do early morning prayer? Why do you start your day with prayer? And why um, is that important for people? Well, I don't know exactly when it happened, but I just fell into it. And I, I would just say, I got addicted to making God the first person I talked to. Mm, one. Good. 
Number two, I found that earlier in the morning, my mind was quieter. My soul had less traffic and I wanted to beat everybody else from getting up so I could have an hour to two of undistracted space to let him enjoy me, me to encounter him in his word and for me to get filled with the knowledge of his will and out of that to live the rest of my day. And I found for me, that's six to eight block. You know, this, this is, and I think it's Exodus 16. The Lord would send the manna before sunlight and he would tell them, you need to get the manna in the wilderness before the sun comes up. And I feel like there is daily manna waiting for us before the sun comes up. And that's, that's brought alignment to my soul. It's prepared me for difficult days. It's strengthened me for hard days. And it's gotten me to get above the storm of whatever's going to happen today so that I can live in connection with him through it all. And so, I, you know, and that's what we talk about in the book. I probably give about seven benefits that I've found of uh, waking up early. And yes. it's powerful in my life. And, you know, when I was a Christ for the Nations Bible school student, I was 18, 19. I used to hang out in this prayer room with these crazy Africans that came to America to, and gave up everything, right? Left their families to come to the United States to minister. And that was part of my life. That was part of my routine. And I got busy, right? Get, we get busy with our families, our businesses, all the stuff that we have to do. And we forget about those moments with God. And it, and it really has revolutionized my life, getting back into that pattern of spending time with the Lord. And I've told people all over the state, I would never have run for Congress or had the, the grace on my life to do that if I hadn't had this revival in prayer. So um, Corey, you've been a big part of that. So thank you. I mean, this book really has so much practical inspiration. So I, I guarantee you there are people listening to this right now and they're going, what? Bunny and Corey spend two hours in prayer sometimes? That's nuts. Like I can't even spend five minutes in prayer. Okay, talk to us. What is your vision when you're like in a prayer room or you're in your closet or you're in your car or whatever and you're praying, Corey, and this is something you've, you've really taught me. How do you see God? How do you treat him as a real person? How do you interact with him? Yeah, well, I, I, I think, and I just want to, I want to just give credence to whatever. Find your time. It's not about two hours. It's not about six hours. It's about faithfulness. And so like you're saying, I got 30 minutes in the morning. Maybe I got a 30 minute commute to work. Maybe that becomes your prayer closet. What I found in my own prayer life is I like to engage in three different movements. So if I do have an hour, I think of a 20, 20, 20, you know, 20 minutes. 20 minutes of, I, I think this is important with prayer, that it doesn't begin with you talking. Prayer does not begin with you talking, but it begins with you receiving and for God filling you with his heart. And that's my first lesson in prayer is, do you know how to receive from God? Do you know how to be with him? And it's not about being anything else, but just being in his presence. So my first 20 minutes is slowly reading the Bible and meditation and just being with him. The second 20 minutes is more awakening my soul and blessing him and honoring him. And, and sometimes this involves different postures, sometimes sitting for the first 20. The second one, I might pace. And then the third 20, it's request. I will lift up my wife and my kids. I'll lift up Bunny. I'll lift up friends that I know that are on my heart and that are in need. And I will mention them before the throne. And I will ask that God will give them wisdom. 
give them power, give them strength. And so my big thing, and so that's my kind of my movement for an hour. What I love to do is picture God on the throne. Yes. Revelation chapter four, because Jesus said this in the Lord's prayer. When you pray, say, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the foundation of prayer. Who are you talking to? Where does he live? And what's his name? Mm. Our father in heaven, holy. And so I picture, I go to Revelation chapter four, where we get to see the throne room of God. And I engage, my, sometimes my mind, I don't have that many visuals, or it's, it, but it's about lifting your soul. I'm reading so much in the scriptures about learning how to lift your eyes to the hills, lifting up your soul. And so I see the father sitting on the throne. I see a throne. I see the one sitting on the throne. And I, I connect with the reality of what scripture says, even though I'm not able to fully, you know, get detailed things around it. I'm just lifting up my soul and saying, God, this is how you taught us to pray is to connect with the father on the throne. So that's my main thing that I do when I pray. That's so good. And you, you say here on page 24 of the book that the Lord spoke to you and said, Corey, you need to understand that there is only one decision. There's only one thing. And if you will do this one thing, it will set a trajectory of many other things to be aligned in your life. <laughs> I mean, how powerful is that? If we choose the one thing, if we choose Jesus above everything else, it all makes sense. And, you know, I'm a discipler. I've always discipled people in what I call the three spiritual disciplines, worship, meditation on the word, and prayer. We're actually starting a weekly Bible study every morning, um, every Monday morning at 830 that we're going to be going through the book of Psalms and teaching people how to pray and mm -hmm. meditate on the scriptures. So we're starting that, guys. Register. Mondays at 8.30 on our website. But I'm so excited about that because if we make Jesus the priority, right? Monday mornings at 8.30, we make take 30 minutes out of our day to focus on him. Everything else seems to take care of itself. Yes. Right? Yes. Well, the, the Lord told me, if you go after one thing, you know, because in that, I'm talking about Mary of Bethany, one thing was needed, Mary's chosen. The part if you go after the one thing, you get everything. But if you go after everything, you get nothing. Mm. And so I think I think life, because this is the thing that's powerful, and you couldn't have handled the, you know, the the political uh, things that you've done unless I really feel like it's a real simple call. Keep it simple, making Jesus priority. Right. And if we make him priority, he will fill us with his dreams for our life. But if we keep trying to, to, to manipulate God into endorsing our dreams, we're going to get worn out, burned out, angry, and frustrated with him, and we'll never have grace to fully walk into it because it's not living as an overflow, but we're trying to get God to connect with what's on our heart. So good. And so many people in the political movement, Corey, they have a burden for America. They see things. And I talk to Christians all over the state that are discerning things. They know what's going on because they have the spirit of God in them, right? Yes. They're carrying a burden for America, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know um, how to process it. And a lot of times it turns into anger or fear instead of taking it to the place of prayer. So what do you, how do you take prayer bur burdens that you feel on your heart and turn it into prayers agreeing with Jesus? How do people do that? 
Well, in the political realm, I mean, we have verses. First Timothy 2 tells us to pray for kings and those in authority that we may live a quiet and peaceable life. That right. praying for governmental officials, we want success and we want righteousness in that realm. So it brings divine order in the worlds we live in. So that that's awesome. I, I'm all about that. I, I, I want to lift up our president. I want to pray for our congressmen. You know, all the different the senators and stuff like that. I, I, I like to do it this way because I like to I like to really connect that God is sovereign over the nations and really raise our view of God. He's the one who sits on the throne in the heavens. And I connect with him and he has put governmental officials over us in our nation. So I pray for them. I mention them before the throne. I labor for them in prayer. I also believe in the power of corporate prayer, not just praying individually. I think it's right. We're in a Joel 2 hour of corporate prayer gatherings where we need to do it together. You know, he says, rending your heart, crying out to the God, crying out to God for mercy and doing it together for those. And there's where the, uh, the Holy Spirit will break in and those kinds of things will happen. I think it's prayer. It's prayer. It's intercession. It's lifting up their voice, doing it with other people. And then we engage. We vote. We engage. We, we become educated on what's going on in our society and how to team up with it. But my hope is ultimately in God. My, mm -hmm. my confidence is ultimately in God and that he oversees the nations. That's where my ultimate anchor is at and that the whole earth is being prepared. The father is preparing everything to hand it all over to his son. And it also produces, you know, when all the different rises and tides of election seasons and tides and all this, I'm anchored, I'm engaging in what I'm believing for me and my family in America in 2020, right. while at the same time understanding Jesus is coming. And I want to stay connected to the fact that he's coming and laboring for him to come and make all the wrong things right. And that's our blessed hope. I mean, that's what keeps us anchored, like that's you right. said, because, you know, sometimes our people that we are believing for don't win. That's sometimes right. things happen. Sometimes you know, and we're also admonished to pray for those who we disagree with, right? We might not agree with everything. They might be pro-choice. They might not be standing with us even on the life issue, but we're called to still pray for them and believe for God. So yeah. what are you seeing, Corey, as you travel America? Is there an awakening happening? Are people waking up to this prayer thing? Um, you know, why it, it seems like lately there's been a renewed focus on, especially online prayer meetings, but, you know, during the middle of the season, but talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing in the nation. Yeah. I, I, I feel like Malachi 1:10. Malachi shows up to the nation of Israel and they had really gotten to a state in their, their sacrificial system of, they were just bringing leftovers. They were bringing, you know, lame offerings, blind offerings, really worthless offerings to God. And the Lord says through Malachi, Malachi 1.10, he says, I would that you would just shut the doors to the whole thing so you won't kindle a fire on my altar in vain. That's what Malachi said, shut it down. And then the very next verse in Malachi 1.11 is this, for from the rising of the sun to its going down, my name shall be great among the nations and every place incense shall be offered to my name. He says, for my name shall be great among the nations. It, I think it's, it's eerily prophetic that 2020 was the shutdown. And I believe among the things that are going to emerge out of this season 
is a new wineskin, a new focus, a new priority on the place of prayer and worship that we're going to see move from a backroom ministry of a few, and it's going to move to a frontroom ministry for the most. And, I, and I, I really believe we're in the middle of that transition. I believe he's building a wineskin. He's building a structure that can contain what he wants to do in this next season. And what's in my heart, it's great harvest. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. It's a revival in our nation and in the earth. And that's what we desperately need. But I believe he's got to build the wineskin. So I believe it's about worship and prayer coming to the forefront out of the shutdown. Mm, wow. I'm getting so stirred up. Okay. You talk about in the book about voices becoming voices through silence and solitude. It's in this quality of messenger, the message that penetrates the noise of a chaotic culture in the world and in the church. One of the reasons why you wrote this book, you know, so when local churches prioritize prayer, let's talk about that. The prayerless church. Yeah. We have been evolved, you know, we've been stuck in these program mentality. Like it's all about our programs. It's all about our women's ministry. It's all about our children's ministry, all this stuff. But yet we're not really connecting with each other's hearts and community because we're not praying together. That's right. Uh, how does that change a whole church culture? Um, if the church actually prays together, Corey? Yeah, it, his house is a house of prayer. Mm. Okay. It's a house of prayer. The primary purpose of the community is for God. Yes. It's not for the men in the men's ministry. It's not for the women. They, they definitely have their place, but it's second place. We're ministering to everybody at church, but God. Wow. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I feel like God is coming back to the center and we're beginning to find each other around looking at him, ministering to him. And I find you in the place of prayer. I was thinking about this morning. Those are the people that I want to run with are the people I'm praying with. Mm. That's where, that's where you get connected in the spirit. You get connected in purpose. We're, we're, we're connected. And, and, and in that place, God fills us with his dreams and we move from that place. And God gives us strategies into the men's ministry, women, children, youth, adults, all the different things, but it flows out of that centerpiece that goes to all the different areas. And I believe that's part of the structure change we're going to be found in the place of prayer. And that's going to be the litmus test because most of us, that's an indictment because we don't pray. We, mm. we don't know what to do in prayer. Most of us have all kinds of different experiences with prayer. And I believe God's going, and, and this is another thing, Isaiah 56, he says, I'm going to make them joyful in my house of prayer. That I think, I think there's coming a new joy in the place of prayer. And it's because one, we're going to begin to see God differently. God's knocking off the old religious mindsets of a mean, disappointed, mostly angry God. And we're going to see a glad father. We're going to mm -hmm. see a good father. And God's going to begin to anoint musicians and singers that are going to begin to lead us into the place of prayer. In Revelation 5, we see music and prayers go hand in hand. And I believe God's going to bring together the, the songs and the prayers in a profound way as well. It's going to give birth to other parts of the uh, the ministries in the church. So good. Our very first podcast we did, I said I would never do a podcast, but you know, there's just too many things and too many things we have to highlight that we can't get it all in writing. So I started a podcast. Our very first one was with a church in Wharton, Texas, that's done an annual prayer meeting wow. with um, their whole community. And they invite all the elected officials 
They have their member of Congress there, their state reps, their state senators, their county commissioners. They were telling us about one of the county commissioners got healed from a back issue at one of their prayer meetings. But it's become now this whole community thing where, I mean, you have to be at this Grace Community Fellowship prayer meeting. Um, it's something that the church has come to look forward and they mix worship or a half a song and then they pray for the sheriff's department and then they mix a half a song and then they pray for the DA. It's just such a powerful thing. So I encourage everybody, if you're looking for a way to incorporate prayer into your local church um, community, that is a great way. Listen to that first um, one with Pastor Michael Lemus and pa Pastor Matt Sweeney. Um, from our podcast. And we have a whole outline that they gave us on that. Um, what's another way, Corey, that you encourage pastors or leaders to incorporate prayer, like some sort of weekly prayer meeting or prayer yeah. before church or is, give us some other ideas. I think fine. I just think just start with one. I mean, just start, start somewhere. With, I want to say this to all of our pastors and leaders. You have to lead the prayer meeting. It can't mm -hmm. be delegated to the intercessory team. It can't be delegated to the prayer team. Leaders have to lead the place of prayer. Pastors have to lead. Again, it's Jesus. They wanted his prayer life. The greatest leader ever produced that. And I just want to say to our pastors and our leaders, let your congregation find you in the prayer room on your knees instead of just hearing you once a week standing up before them. And so I think find, just landing a time, it doesn't matter. Find a good time that can get as many people there and just do one, do it well, and do it for a year before you have too many opinions. And just good. keep showing up and give yourself to it and watch what the Lord will do out of that. So good. And you like to say, it's time for the prayerless church to be over, right? Yeah, what I say is the days of Sunday only Christianity, they're coming to an end. There you are, there you are. Well, I almost have the Corey Russell quotes, but not completely. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so we, another disclaimer. We are a multi-church, you know, multi-denominational group, Christians engaged. We've got people from all different backgrounds. As we start this book club, we're not going to believe in every single thing we read from every book. But I'm telling you, this is an amazing book um, for us to get a manual to be motivated to seek the Lord in this hour. Um, so get your Corey Russell book. Teach us to pray. Corey, where can they get the book? You can get it at Amazon. It's out now everywhere. Get it okay. on wherever they do books. CoreyRussell.org. Um, you can check out all of his uh, teachings. I've got a yep. new prayer. I got a, yeah, got a prayer album on revival recently out. So, so good. It. So there's a lot of stuff. Go to CoreyRussell.org or check out the book on Amazon, grab it. And then we're going to be discussing it the last Friday at lunchtime of the month. And so sign up for the book club and we'll get you the next few books um, as we go. So, okay. Um, we always ask like a personal question. So I know you're into sports, Corey. Um, favorite sports team? You know, I, I, I love probably NBA. I mean, I don't know. I love NFL. I love. Am I going to get you in trouble with other people in other cities? Probably. <laughs> no, I'm a Kansas City Chief fan. Oh, there you go. But Derek Carr, the quarterback for the Raiders, he's actually wrote an endorsement on this book. Wow. Uh, yeah, he actually wrote an endorsement on Teaches to Pray. So the quarterback for the Raiders, he's a friend of mine. He's a strong believer, and uh, he wrote an endorsement in the book. So he's my favorite player, but the Chiefs are my favorite team. <laughs> That's great. 
That's great. Well, we all have to have our focus, right? We have to have our leisure time. We have to have our prayer time. We have to have our family time and, and getting that balance of life is so important, especially in this hour. So, um, so again, sign up for the book club. Tracy Bradford will be joining me, our vice president for the discussion on this. Tracy, as you know, uh, World is an amazing intercessor. She led all the Promise Keeper prayer meetings in Texas for years. And I'm just so happy to have her. She helps me write the 555 prayer texts that we send out every Monday. If you aren't getting those, take the pledge on our website to pray, vote, and engage. And we'll remind you when every election's happening and you can pray with us with thousands of people. So Corey, thank you, brother, Love so you, much. You're Thanks awesome. for doing this. And we are so excited to read this book this, this month. And, and I think we've already got 30 or 40 people already signed up for the book club. So let's take that to a hundred or so and let's read Corey's book and, and see it impact our lives so we can change Texas and America, right? Amen. What God needs in this hour is he needs us to show up. He needs us to show up and he, he, he wants our hearts engaged in all of it. So thank you, brother. So blessed to have you. And we love you. Love you too. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is a production of Christians Engaged. We are a nonpartisan nonprofit that exists to awaken, motivate, and educate ordinary believers in Jesus Christ to pray for our nation regularly, vote in every election, and engage our hearts in some form of political activism. To learn more about us, please visit our website at christiansengaged.org. That's christiansengaged.org.